Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Martini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show is coming up right next. The following audio is via a Skype call. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Wow. Hey, everyone. Welcome. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Welcome to Transformation Talk Radio. It is so great to have all of you tuning us in and turning us on. Yes, you just did hear me on Kelly Wadler's show. It was great to be on that show and talk a little bit about my journey and, you know, how we are where we are today and a little sneak preview on what's to come. You know, one of the things that I think uh, I get to talk about is the change in evolution of consciousness on the planet. And I start by looking at my own and, you know, how do I reflect on where I was, where I am today and where I want to go? And it's not always as black and white or cut and dry as that. It's usually something that has to do with something that shows up in my life. You know, what is it about? you know, having uh, death show up, you know, what is it about losing a mother to suicide, you know, from uh, drugs and alcohol? And, And I say that lightly. And the reason I say that lightly, because it isn't that simple. You know, it isn't about having a mother that, you know, was part of a society where drinking and taking pills was, uh, you know, the mainstay. You know, my mom was not like we think about it. You know, you're not going to find her story, you know, in some movie talking about, you know, a a crack house or something. She was a a middle class white woman growing up that needed to be calmed down because she was too feisty. So what did you do back then? Well, you go to Dr. Jacoby and you would get yourself a script. And that's literally what worked for my mother in keeping her quiet. Now, fast forward to where we are today. And are we in a world that's very different? And what is it that we're talking about? But most importantly, what are we not talking about? I am so thrilled that I get Dr. Peter Grinspoon joining me here today. You know, his book busts the crust of everything. You want to talk about crust busting? I'm going to talk about this book. Um, Listen, Free Refills, A Doctor Confronts His Addiction, a memoir by Dr. Peter Grinspoon. Yeah, because why? If we're not going to have a story be shared, if we're not going to talk about as he does, about what it means to be honest, about pretty funny, because we do have some funny stories. I mean, I even have some funny stories about my mom. But, you know, what is it about our lives that is not being said? And how about this word recovery? How about recovery? And what happens to other people as we go down the road, especially doctors, when you come clean? What is the pathway? And what is, you know, what is Dr. Grinspoon doing? Why is this book so pivotal? 
Why is it a tipping point of conversations around addiction and society? And today, I'm thrilled to introduce all of you to who he has become, practices primary care physician in Boston. Uh, he's on the staff of Massachusetts General Hospital. But more than all of that, what is it about him? What is it about his journey? What is it about his, his nine years clean that leaves with us a resounding new narrative on addiction and on society? Dr. Grinspoon, thank you for joining me here today. It's great to have you. It's great to be here. Um, you heard me talk a little bit about my mom. And, you know, before coming on here, I had asked you a question. Uh, and I guess this is the question that I, that I want to ask you is you can go back to my mom's time and you could take a look at where we are today. Uh, and the question, though, in your own journey, as both a doctor on one side of the coin and the other, have things changed since my mom's time, since going back to the 50s? Have things changed? And if they have changed, how, how so? And thank you for sharing your story and welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me and I'm really glad to be here. I mean, in some ways things have changed and in some ways they haven't changed. They haven't changed in the sense that there's still ready access to addictive substances and when people get addicted, they don't always get treated with compassion. They get treated with um, kind of contempt and stigma. And a lot of people, because of this, are afraid to get help because they have an addiction which is kind of looked down upon by other people, which isn't the case for any other disease. Um, in some ways, things have changed in that the drugs that people are taking are very different. Uh, people, right now, we're in the middle of a prescription opiate epidemic partially because of the drug companies pushing this stuff, partially because the doctors are prescribing too much. And now the heroin is so cheap and so plentiful, we're in the midst of an epidemic of heroin overdose. So in some ways, it's the same exact problem as before. And in some ways, it's got a kind of unique modern spin. Well, I mean, do you know, the world we live in is really quite now more connected, more aware, right? You know, we're in this world where, I mean, my gosh, if you either take a look at the YouTube, you could do that. But television right now, movies right now, more things are being talked about and, and coming out from under the, a rock than we have ever had before. Um, and yet at the same time is that we see new laws, you know, hitting hitting the doctor's office about you can't get a prescription for this, or if you do, you have to come in and get it. No more pharmacies giving it to you. Do you think that those laws are working? Well, it's a little bit early to tell because a lot of them are mm -hmm. really new because yeah. we're just kind of reacting as a society to this epidemic. But I think that what's going to help the most is just education, education of patients about how addictive opiates are and education of doctors, that if someone has some minor pain, you don't have to give them 90 pills. You can give them 15 or 30 pills. So I think things are going to change. But I'm not sure how much of that is going to be done by, like, restricting the doctor. Yeah. Do, do you think that what that does, though, and let's just talk about this for a little bit, and you know, do you think that what it does is it just moves the problem? And so what, what, might that, what do I mean by that? It moves the problem from the doctor's office to the street, so to speak. And we know what that's like, don't we? 
Absolutely. And a lot of people were worried that, yes, if we clamp down too hard on prescription painkillers, that people are just going to start buying them exactly as you said on the streets or shift to heroin, which is very easy to find in the streets. So it's a very complicated problem to approach. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I I wanted to ask you this question. I mean, certainly you share this in your book and, and in the forefront uh, of your life and what you've decided to come out and talk about. You know, I wanted to ask you about your journey. If you were to look back at your journey and can pinpoint any point in time where you realized at some point, wow, I'm in a bit of trouble here. But even with that, could not really do very much about it. What would that be? Well, there was one time when a patient left me with a huge bottle of OxyContin because he wanted the, the brand name and I had only given him the generic. Who knows what he was doing with the OxyContin? But I was then stuck with these really powerful OxyContin pills. And I took five of them which is way too many for me, because they were each like about 16 Percocets. And I woke up really scared and really disoriented. And I just realized that if I don't do something, I'm not going to make it. I'm going to overdose. So I went to an addiction psychiatrist who dumped the bottle of OxyContin down the toilet and gave me a medication to get me off opiates. But even with all of that help, I still couldn't do anything about it. And I knew I was in trouble, but within a couple of weeks, I was back to taking my Vicodin and my Percocet. Mm. Mm. And, you know, part of this is, you know, figuring out, you know, the confusion around this and what this all means. And, you know, I, I think what I hear you saying, we're going to talk more about this too later in the show, is that, you know, we're in a place with this that my mom was. And that is, you know, once you start out on the path, you're on the path. And, you know, there's something that happens, sure, physically, but also emotionally uh, for for folks. And, you know, we're living in a world now where a lot of this is being romanticized. And I wanted to ask you about that. You know, has film, television helped or hurt? Well, I think it's probably hurt just in the way that you mentioned, in that it mm-hmm. romanticized these drugs. Um, and romanticized the life of a drug dealer, of a drug user. So I think it's probably hurt. But at the same time, we just don't really have great educational resources for people. We had the D.A.R.E. program in the 1980s, which sort of didn't really tell the truth to kids, and then nobody believed it. So I think it's really important to have something in between kind of um, television shows which romanticize the problem and messages which sort of exaggerate the problems. We need to give people really good information so they trust us and they believe us and they know enough not to mess with these drugs, which can be really addictive and which can eat, every, eat up your whole life. Yeah. I, I mean, the, we've, you and I have got lots to, lots to talk about. We're, we're here with Dr. Peter Grinspoon, and we're, we're talking about his fabulous book, uh, Free Refills. A doctor confronts his addiction. When we come back, we're going to talk about what is this story like? What is the journey like? And how is it that, you know, he has gotten to become who he is today? Stay tuned, everyone. We'll be right back.
Tune in to The Jen Royster Show, intuitive guidance to inspire your life, each Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific and 11 a.m. Eastern on TransformationTalkRadio.com. This amazing show is an inspirational hour that will take you on an epic metaphysical journey to discover the spiritual approach to life's greatest challenges. Dr. Jen is an internationally known intuitive counselor, spiritual teacher, and energy healer. Call in for intuitive readings and visit JenRoyster.com for more information. Access Consciousness is coming back to Seattle this April for three amazing events. Mark your calendars. April 20th through the 22nd is the Access Consciousness Body Classes, created by Gary Douglas and Dr. Dane here. Facilitated by Dr. Glenna Rice. Explore verbal processes and hands-on bodywork that will unlock the tension, resistance, and dis-ease of the body by shifting energy dynamically. April 23rd through the 25th is the Advanced Access Body Class with Gary Douglas. What if you could undo a whole lot of limitations that you have locked into your body and create an alteration of the way your body functions? Then, on April 26th at 7 p.m., join Gary Douglas for the Abuse Hold class. This is the first time ever that this dynamic process is being presented in a class format. Find out more about these Access Consciousness April events in Seattle by visiting transformation.events. That's transformation.events. A morning filled with dynamic, inspirational music, spirituality, and uplifting messages by T.J. Woodward. Come and connect with community conversations and awaken your senses. Awakened Living Sundays with T.J. Woodward. Join T.J. every Sunday in the San Francisco Bay Area Chapel at Fort Mason and live streaming online, 11 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. Pacific Time. To learn more and access the live stream, visit www.awakenedlivingsf.org. Awaken to your radiant, authentic self. For over 15 years, Soul Purpose Advocate Nancy Monson has been focused on leading change in the lives of those looking to live their true purpose. She is devoted to supporting people and living a soul-directed life every day. Let Nancy help you overcome fear, worry, and doubt. Visit EverydaySpirituality.com to learn how Nancy can be your Soul Purpose Advocate. The Doctor is in. Tune in to the hit show, The Psychic Love Doctor, with host Deborah Lee. Deborah's life affirming, highly perceptive reading method has taught Deborah how to zero in on specific problems with relationships, career pursuits, and current roadblocks to success and happiness. Join Deborah Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific and for a special broadcast the second Thursday of every month at 11 a.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back to the show. Dr. Dr. Peter Grinspoon joining me here today. You know, this is an important conversation. It, you know, the book that he's written is called Free Refills. A Doctor Confronts His Addiction. And we're going to talk about what that means. You know, what's the best way, um, Peter, what's the best way for people to find out more about you and get a copy of the book? And thank you for joining us here today. Oh, thank you for having me. To find out more about the book, they could check out my website, which is just Peter Grinspoon. Dot com, 
And to find the book, they could go online to Amazon or Barnes & Noble or any of those sites. They all have free refills. Awesome. Thank you. I wanted to talk with you about um, about your journey because there are two things that I think are interesting for folks to know. One, you're talking about yourself, and two, you're a doctor. And, you know, usually we don't, and you're still a doctor. And usually we're not talking about those things together. And that's why I think your story is so powerful. Um, how is your journey as a doctor, how is your journey or was your journey different than someone that has an addiction or is an alcoholic that, uh, that is not a doctor? How is it different? What were some of the trials and tribulations you had to go through? Well, in some ways, I think it was easier as a doctor. And in other ways, I think it was a lot harder as a doctor. It was harder in the sense that there's just so much guilt and shame and there's even more stigma to addicted doctors than there are to regular addicted people, if possible. Um, and doctors come from a culture where they're not supposed to be weak or sick or accept help or need help. And it's very difficult for a lot of us to ask for help. And you don't really get better from an addiction if you can't ask for help. So I think in a lot of ways it's more difficult as a doctor. The ways in which it's easier is that we have a lot to lose. If I didn't get clean, I would never have been allowed to become a primary care doctor again. And that's a real motivating thing. And it gave the people who were trying to help me leverage. I had to take my drug test and pass my drug test, or I wouldn't be allowed to be a doctor. Doctors also have more resources. I was able to afford a 90-day rehab facility, so People do debate whether rehab facilities are any more effective than just getting outpatient treatment. But in either case, I was able to get a lot of treatment and afford it. And I know as a primary care doctor who takes care of poor patients, it's very difficult to get them any kind of help or treatment for addiction. Yeah. So, again, in some ways, it, it was a lot harder. You know, in addition to the other difficulties, I also had the medical board to deal with. So there's a whole other category of angry institutions that are mad at you for what you did as a doctor. So again, in some ways, it's harder, and in some ways, it's definitely easier. Yeah, I mean, isn't this really, so here's the question, isn't this conversation, this particular narrative, akin to having a similar conversation that we had about concussions in football? And the doctor that, you know, sh was shining the light on that. Isn't it kind of the same? Because, you know, here we are, we're talking about a population of very educated people doing good things in the world, now confronting, you know, that thing, which is absolutely by far one of the greatest nightmares possible in the medical profession. And, you know, but if we're not going to talk about this as if, there aren't doctors that are still as vulnerable as, as regular people. I mean, it's kind of silly that we're not, but yet I could understand why. What was it that, what was it for you that enabled you to step forward and say, man, this is what's going on with me. Besides being a doctor, was there a bottom that you hit? Oh, absolutely. Free refills starts with a scene where the state police and the DEA raid my office and visit me and question me 
and charged me with three felony counts of fraudulently prescribing substances. So that started off a negative spiral, which included losing my job, losing my medical license, getting divorced, being locked away in rehab for 90 days and not seeing my kids, and being on probation because of the felony charges with a kind of controlling probation officer who, if I didn't do everything that she suggested, would surrender me to the judge. So I would say my bottom is pretty low. But if you compare it to all the people who are overdosing and dying every day, dozens of people from the same drug, from opiates, then if you look at it that way, my bottom doesn't seem quite as bad because I'm still alive and I was able to, I was given a second chance. And, you know, that second chance has gotten you to this place right here where we're actually talking about it. And, you know, someone said to me once that, you know, if you're an addict, you there's no such thing as a second chance. I, I'm not really sure I understood what that means. But, you know, part of what you and I were talking about during the break was the fact that while, while we're talking about this from a very physical point of view, this is not just about a physical conversation, is it? No, it's much more than just a physical. I mean, as we were discussing, addiction has a big psychological component and a big spiritual component. And if you don't take care of all of the different components, I think you're really vulnerable to relapse. If you don't take care of the physical component, you have these overwhelming cravings and you get physical withdrawal and it's very hard not to take the drug again. But if you don't take care of the psychological and the spiritual components, you're left with a huge gap because as you become more addicted, most of your emotional kind of um, relationship transitions from other people to the drug and you're mostly engaged with the drug. And once the drug is pulled away, there's this huge vacuum in your life, and it's very empty. And if you don't take care of the psychological and the spiritual components, you're at very high risk for relapse. I have to ask you, is is that why or one of the reasons why so very few doctors ever seek help? I mean, you know, I know that there is a stigma around it. But it, there's also the what it takes for you to come back. And meaning, what do I mean by that is, yes, you have an enormous amount to lose, but here you are today, right? So, you know, there's this story that we're going to talk about later in the show about, yeah, bottom doesn't have to be the end game, doesn't have to be the end game. But, you know, yet here we are in the world, and I don't think you have to watch Grey's Anatomy to know that, you know, there is the possibility for many, many, many more scenarios like yours. Um, Why do you think doctors don't seek help? And what can we do to make it, you know, an arena where they can? Right. Well, I think being a doctor is a perfect storm for addiction. Yeah. Because you have the access to medications, which is part of why we call my memoir Free Refills. Yeah. You just literally have unlimited access to to medications as a doctor in, in many different ways. In the hospital, from the pharmaceutical companies, from your patients, from colleagues. And if you combine the access with the stress, and I can tell you it's unbelievably stressful being a doctor these days. I mean, I know yeah. it was always stressful, but right now it's almost impossible. I'm a 
primary care doctor in an inner city clinic, and it is almost impossible. It is completely stressful. So you mix the stress and the access, and you get a lot of addicts. It's estimated that 10 to 15% of doctors are addicted to drugs or alcohol, which is higher than the general population where it's addicted that 9% of people uh, or it's estimated that 9% of people are addicted to drugs and alcohol. And so doctors are really vulnerable. And I believe that the reason they don't get help more readily is that the help is so punitive. If you're a doctor and you say, I'm having trouble with drugs or alcohol, you can lose your license, lose your livelihood, and that's all in addition to the guilt, shame, and stigma and sometimes very publicly you get knocked off your perch and kind of humiliated. So there just isn't any incentive to get help. And I believe if they were to make the help that doctors get, and this is probably true for nurses, physician assistants, nurse practitioners, pharmacists, if they made the help less punitive, then more people could get treatment earlier and you wouldn't have the chance you wouldn't have the circumstance of the surgeon drunk in the OR, which we hear about every so often, or my circumstance, where the DEA and the state police are in the office of this friendly primary care doctor who didn't really mean to hurt anybody. So I think if we can make it less punitive, there's at least a chance that more people are going to come out of the woodwork and say, I need some help. Can you help? Right. I mean, it's kind of like sitting here and kind of contemplating the fact that, wait a minute, we're just talking about addictions for a certain uh, 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 part of the society. And there's no way. There's no way that doctors or doctor and, and you mentioned a couple of different career categories as well. You know, we're not just talking about doctors anymore because it used to be old school, right? Old school was that doctors were the only people that could prescribe these drugs. But that is not it now. That's not, we've changed the landscape of this. Absolutely. Nurse practitioners can prescribe drugs. Physicians' assistants can. And they're just as vulnerable. Yeah, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk, you know, with uh, Dr. Peter Grinspoon, who is the author of Free Refills. We're going to talk about, yeah, bottom is not the end game. What happens? What is the way up? What is the way out? And what is the way to rebuild your life. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Radio. Find Your Shine with Kelly is the show that celebrates what makes you, you. Join co-hosts Kelly Wadler and Dr. Pat Basile as they break down how to brilliantly fuel and move your body and love what makes you shine. Kelly is a professional arts and wellness coach dedicated to helping brilliant women find their confidence, energy, self-love, and shine. Tune in to Shine On Radio with Kelly and find your shine on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Hey, everybody, this is Dr. Pat. Many of you have heard me talk about the Lyme disease epidemic going on right now in the world. I want to tell you about my friends at Results RNA. 
They have now created an entire Lyme support system for immune system support, detoxification, rejuvenation, and neurological healing. Please visit resultsrna.com to learn more. And for first-time orders, you'll receive a special 10% discount. All you have to do is type in Dr. Pat at checkout. Francine Vale is a being of light. She believes that all people of planet Earth are as well. As co-host of the Angel Healer radio show, Francine teaches you heart-centered ways to manifest healing on your own behalf and how to integrate love more fully into your daily life. Connect with your angels as you find your life flowing with ease and harmony. Walk the path of light with Francine and Dr. Pat Basili every month on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Have you been seeing numbers like 111 and 222 everywhere you go? Do you feel that the universe may be trying to get your attention, perhaps offering a message of some sort? As it turns out, numerical patterns and certain types of geometry form the very fabric of our reality, from cells under a microscope to the astronomy of our night sky. At Stellar Reflections, we offer special sessions which tap into these patterns, designed specifically to support you on your journey. The 111 and 222 activations are sessions activating new patterns in your energy field, which in turn can help you create new patterns in your life. After just one session with a practitioner, either in person or via distance, clients report gaining greater clarity, becoming more intuitive, and honoring their inner truth as they move forward in their lives. Curious about what these transformational sessions might do for you? Call 425-999-9836 or visit StellarReflections.com. That's StellarReflections.com. Do you want to achieve your goals? Do you want to strengthen relationships with others? Do you want to improve your financial status? Colette Marie Steffen is partnering with Mark Kettenbach to bring you an energetic upgrade online experience launching in April. Unfold and develop your full potential. Visit energeticupgrade.com today for more information. That's energeticupgrade.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. It's great to uh, have all of you tune us in, turn us on. I'm Dr. Pat. You're listening to Dr. Pat Show, Transformation Talk Radio. Dr. Peter Grinspoon joining me here today. The book is called Free Refills, A Doctor Confronts His Addiction. And, you know, that's kind of putting it mildly. mildly. Anybody that confronts their addiction is faced with a series of questions and a series of choices. And I think, you know, Dr. Grinspoon, you are talking about that. You know, you were talking about um, the the fact that it's not like you woke up one day and said, "Oh, yeah, I, that's it. Let, let me let me go to rehab." You know, you were you just shared your bottom or what we you know what we like to refer to as a bottom, but the bottom is not the end game, is it? So no. where did you go from there? Right. Well, it was like climbing Mount Everest to get back to the medical practice because I had to convince the medical board that I was safe and healthy enough to, to practice medicine. Uh, you know, and they were just incredibly skeptical because of the, the criminal violations I had and also some of the other stuff I did, such as sharing medications with patients, which I'm very embarrassed about. But it's um, some of the stuff I did, we, we share prescriptions um, as a way for me to feed my habit. But, yeah, rehab is really just the beginning. 
And rehab sort of sets the reset button and gets you out of your crazy environment and gives you the pills and the medicine and the support you need to get off the drug. But it's sort of like the training wheels. And the minute that you leave, it's like the training wheels come off, and it's up to you to ride the bicycle. There's only so much that they can do for you at rehab. I, I know a lot of people that, that relapse right when they leave rehab because in some ways it's easy to not use drugs in rehab because that's what the whole emphasis is, and you're in this like supportive therapeutic community. But it's very dangerous when you leave rehab and go back to the real world, to your world, which has all the same triggers and risks and, you know, supply of drugs, and you're just not surrounded by other recovering addicts. You're basically surrounded by the mess that you've made of your life. It's a very difficult time being in early recovery, and I think that transition from rehab back to the real world is, is very dangerous. Well, I want, I want to talk about this because, you know, there are a couple questions coming in, and I know you're going to take us on a journey, you know, to share this. You know, we do live in a world where, let's just talk about the state of affairs in terms of, you know, disease right now, if we could for a minute. And what the heck do I even mean by that? I mean, we have more instances of, of autoimmune disease than we've ever had before, or maybe have ever counted before. We have more situations of chronic pain than we've ever had before. You know, we have people that are suffering, for example, with Lyme disease, which isn't even classified as a disease, so they can't even get pain medication. But, you know, there are places where people are prescribed medication of whatever source, right? Um, and they truly do need it. Um, that's not exactly what you're talking about here, or is it? No, I'm talking about someone who gets addicted. Um, I started using it recreationally. I okay. didn't have any chronic pain. I was okay. a bored medical student who was with my girlfriend in medical school, and we came across some pills called Vicodin, and we read about them because we were curious medical students, and the warning said, careful, beware, these pills can cause extreme euphoria. And once we read that, we were destined to try them. And then once I tried them, it made me so euphoric that I spent the next 10 years trying to recreate that feeling of pure, absolute bliss that the Vicodin gave me. So I'm in a different category. I don't have any chronic pain. Um, the only chronic pain I have is had was from the addiction, which was caused by the pills for chronic pain. But... Um, there are a lot of people in our country with chronic pain, mm -hmm. and we've sort of been sold a bill of goods with the opiates. We were sold by the pharmaceutical companies um, the idea that opiates are A, not addictive, and right. B, very effective for chronic pain. And now we're finding out the hard way that A, they are extremely addictive with this epidemic of overdoses, and B, they're not even that effective for chronic pain. So we're going to have to find other ways to treat chronic pain that aren't just giving people large quantities of opiates because that's making people sick. Yeah. And, you know, one of the keys really is to this when you think about it is that if you're listening to this show and you're fitting in a scenario like this is the question of whether or not you're able to even take the medication according to the prescription. 
I mean, that should be indicator number one, right? That if you're prescribed X amount per day or per hour, I don't even know literally what we're talking about, but whatever that is, and you start to not do that, meaning you take more or do something strange, aren't those signs for people, you know, uh, Dr. Peter, are, what are, aren't those the signs? Yeah, those are definitely signs. Or could be. Absolutely. And a lot of people are taking them as they're supposed to, and they're not getting great pain relief either. That's right. So we've <laughs> got to find other ways to treat chronic pain in this country. Other countries don't prescribe nearly as many opiates as we do. I mean, not mm -hmm. even close. Mm -hmm. Last year, we prescribed something like 250 million bottles of opiates, which is basically enough for each adult in this country to have their own bottle. And that's way higher than we prescribe in other countries. So we need to learn what they're doing for chronic pain and emulate it. Yeah. I mean, uh, let's talk about this for a minute because you hit something that's very near and dear to my heart. In some of the other countries, if we could, and, you know, I don't want to get into specifics, but some of the other countries that are not doing this, here's the thing that they have, or at least what I'm familiar with, what those other countries have that this country doesn't have are masterful platforms of natural medicine. Now, I don't know, you know, if you and I are looking at the same bit of information, but I will say that when you start to look at some of the other things, right, that people are doing for pain and is readily available, some of those work. So, for example, acupuncture, acupressure, I mean, I don't even want to go into that, but isn't that really kind of the dilemma we're faced here in the United States? A little bit, I think. No, absolutely, and we tend to over-medicate everything. <laughs> I just read an article recently about how the pharmaceutical companies are trying to get it so that everybody thinks they need a pill to sleep. Now, of course, some people need help sleeping because they have insomnia, right. but most people don't. You need to drink less caffeine and do more exercise and not use the screen right before you go to bed. Right. I mean, there are a lot of natural things you could do to help your sleep. Again, some people definitely need their Ambien, but... A lot of people don't, and it's just a worrying state of affairs when the pharmaceutical companies are trying to create an artificial demand for their products, because that becomes society's norm, and people forget how to sleep without the pills. And for chronic pain, I think it's the same thing. I mean, my prediction for chronic pain, personally, yeah. Yeah. is that we're going to use a lot fewer opiates now that we're learning how deadly they are. And I think, honestly, that we're going to use a lot more medical marijuana because it's much safer than opiates. But I also agree with you that we're going to be using a lot of non-medical treatments, such as acupuncture, physical therapy, chiropractors. We're going to try to get away from the, from the pharmaceuticals as much as we can. But that said, there are people that are going to need medical treatment for their chronic pain, and we've got to get them something safer than the opiates. Well, I mean, isn't this really now what we're talking about when we're talking about medical marijuana, we're talking about state laws which have changed drastically to legalize marijuana. That's not what we're talking about, but it does open the door uh, uh, for us to really look at some of the products that are being dis you know, that are being created. Well, let me give you an example. You know, I was talking to someone the other day who um, has really had this, this oil that's created from it. And it's not, you know, it's not, it's not toxic. You know what I'm saying? And the oil has been found to work seriously well with kids that have epilepsy. 
And so do you think by changing the law around marijuana, we've perhaps even opened the door to find more and more solutions like that? Because, you know, we say marijuana and everybody's like, oh, that's a drug. But you're not really talking about that. No, well, I mean, marijuana is so much safer than the opiate. And people use it very successfully for pain. I mean, people debate about how dangerous marijuana is. Some people think it's fairly dangerous. Other people think it's not dangerous at all. And nobody would argue that it's anywhere near as dangerous with opiates. Mm -hmm. So if someone's coming in with chronic nerve pain, I think we should try the less toxic alternative first, which would be the cannabis, the marijuana. And then if that doesn't work or the pain's really bad enough, then we try opiates. And I absolutely agree. If you start using a drug for one thing, you oftentimes find that it works for something else. There are tons of examples of that throughout history. Yeah. 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 And and we don't even know what we don't know on this. But the point of today's conversation, and we'll talk about this more when we come back, is you got to start at a place of awareness have to start at a place of awareness. And what is it that we can learn from, uh, you know, what you've put in the book here, Dr. Peter, free refills. We're going to take a short break and we come back. We're going to talk about what are some of the questions you might ask? What if you find yourself in a situation where, yep, you're getting the refills, you feel they're helping you, don't even know the questions, don't know where to go. What are the fears that we have that we will lose? our opiates. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. There are so many resources out there for meditation, but did you know that Atana's Heart Earth Healing Meditation is available for you for free? Yes, that's right. You can receive this free healing meditation today from Atana Vadili. All you need to do is visit his website, atanamethod.com. That's A-T-A-A-N-A method.com and sign up. You will receive your free meditation instantly. That's atanamethod.com. Discover the eight things the elements of prosperity want you to know. Lynn Brown is hosting a life-transforming, soul-expanding evening on April 30th featuring guest speaker and radio host Dr. Pat Basili. Lynn was guided to make this a by-donation event for entrance, and all proceeds will be donated towards uplifting the homeless community. For more information and to get tickets, visit eventbrite.com. That's eventbrite.com and type Lynn Brown in the search. Put a little in your life with Keys. Keys Clear Protein Waters have 22 grams of smile-making, attitude-adjusting protein in every bottle. Did I mention its tongue-tingling taste? Not just another guilty pleasure. With Keys, you'll enjoy every low-sugar sip and freedom from gluten, lactose, and GMOs. Who needs the fountain of youth when you can find Keys on Amazon or at Keys, K-E-E-S, please.com. Put a little in your attitude with Keys Protein Water. What if we really didn't have to die to go to heaven? Are you curious about the afterlife or rebirth? The highly anticipated new book from author Dr. Susan Allison, You Don't Have to Die to Go to Heaven, is available now. Find out how to find guidance and healing in the spirit realms. 
Order the book today and put it on your must-read list for 2016. Visit DrSusanAllison.com to learn more. Are you ready to stop stress, anxiety, and low self-esteem from running your life? Join award-winning author Dr. Friedemann Schaub for Empowerment Radio and learn breakthrough solutions to switch out of survival mode and approach every day with great ease, joy, and purpose. Tune in the first and third Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific to Empowerment Radio with host Dr. Friedemann Schaub on Transformation Talk Radio. Visit thefearandanxietysolution.com to learn more. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Pat. The ancient Inca root vegetable maca is world-renowned for its wide array of health benefits. As a family-run company of true maca specialists, the maca team's mission is to provide you with fresh, organic, premium-quality maca powders at a fair price. Amazing. All of the products are always organically grown, fair-traded, GMO-free, fresh, and potent. So don't take my word for it. Experience the life-changing benefits of maca today. Visit themacateam.com. Hey, everybody, welcome back. Dr. Peter Grinspoon joining me here today. Free refills. The doctor confronts his addiction. Uh, You know, I know there's so much we can talk about, Dr. Peter, but there are lessons to be learned. And I, I would I love what we were talking about during the break. And that is this level of open mindedness. And and really, when when you were sharing that and I was listening to you, I was really struck by the depth and the breadth of this. Everything from how we're looking at new ways to work with pain, new natural ways, everything from that to how the medical uh, profession can really open up to complementary alternative ways to heal. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. You know, what does open mindedness, especially in the field of medicine, mean to you today? Well, as we were just talking about in the break. Yeah. Modern Western medicine doesn't have all the answers. In fact, there's some things we're very good at treating, but there are a lot of things we're not good at treating. And chronic pain is a great example of something that we are not good at treating. What we're doing now is using opiates, which people are overdosing on, getting addicted to, and isn't even helping them that much. So it seems to me that if there were ever a time to argue for open-mindedness, now that we're in the midst of this overdose epidemic with opiates, and mm. we're in the midst of this huger, even bigger epidemic of, of chronic pain, which is sort of not completely treated, we should definitely be open-minded about alternative ways of treating pain and alternative ways of treating people. And I wish that at Harvard, where I am, there, it was a little bit less conservative and people were a little bit more open to some of these things. Mm. Yeah. I, you know, I, I mean, there are there are places um, on online now, even the government websites, by the way, um, asking the question, is marijuana medicine? I mean, I, I think that let's talk about what other countries are doing for a minute. Can we jump to that for a second? Because you and I could probably do an entire show and debate, you know, what's a medicine and what's not. I mean, if you're living in the Amazon right now or maybe in Peru or some of these other places, you know what? 
ayahuasca is the pathway to wholeness. So I wanted to ask you, what have you discovered from your journey about what other countries are doing? How are they dealing with uh, disease? Well, first of all, they our country, as you know, doesn't have a very effective healthcare system. We spend mm-hmm. so much money on our healthcare system, and we're something like 20th in the world of like infant mortality and longevity and all the markers they use to judge how healthy or successful a healthcare system is. And, you know, part of it's the insurance companies that suck up all the money and deny a lot of care for a lot of people. So I think that we're sort of being strangled by these financial interests. Um, Another example of this is that the pharmaceutical companies dictate what people need and what they take without the advertising. And I'm totally against this direct-to-consumer advertising, trying to get people to to need things that they don't really need. Like we talked mm-hmm. about, pretty soon everybody's going to need a sleeping pill to get to sleep. Yeah. I mean, there have been treatments for sleep for thousands of years that are effective, and you don't need to buy a drug to go to sleep. I mean, some people do who have insomnia. And right. I just think that other countries are less, probably because of the financial um, agendas, but they just seem to be less closed to these different ways of treating disease, the more kind of natural ways of taking care of problems, as opposed to our country where you're supposed to pop a pill for anything that goes wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, you know, part of this now is to learn about this. You know, you talked about the idea of an open mind, right? I think we're looking at breaking down some of the walls of systems, And I mentioned to you that I live in the state of Washington, that I was truly blessed to live in a state where, you know, we have the best natural doctors, I believe, in the country, if not the world. And why might that be so? Well, in my backyard is Bastyr University. And if you don't know what Bastyr is, look it up. But what is it about being in a state that has that? Here's what it is. It's something else you said, Dr. Peter. It's like, how do you get all parties to come around the table and ask the question, how do we heal people? See, we're forgetting that in the conversation, right? We're forgetting that. How do we do that? You know, I also live in the state that will not recognize Lyme disease. Like the tick does not come from Montana to, to Washington. It doesn't know how to cross the border. Now, yeah. Right. Yeah. You and I can laugh about that a little bit, you know, and I, I don't want to talk about it during this show, but I'll tell you, I'm an advocate and I'm going to, you know, I'm telling you, we're trying to change that. But here we are. What does it take to get people around the table? Natural, not natural, functional, integrative. I don't care what you call it. When can we get back to healing people, Dr. Peter? Well, we do sit around the table and talk about this stuff, but the problem is the different groups don't sit at the same table. Okay. Like it seems like the doctors sit at one table and the pharmaceutical company sits at a different table and the insurance people sit at a different table. And I don't honestly know what it's going to take to get okay. everybody together, but it seems like the pain epidemic is a, is good an opportunity as anything. We've got this huge epidemic of untreated chronic pain. We're learning that opiates, which have been the mainstay of our treatment, are just not safe and not effective. Here's an opportunity for us to all sit at the table, get together, and come up with solutions for people. 
Yeah, it really is. And, you know, we can do it before it gets to be more of a crisis than it is today. Because you're sharing your story for a couple of good reasons. What motivates you to continue to do this, Dr. Peter? Well, if I could save just one person from kind of overdosing or completely wrecking their life from their addiction by encouraging them to get help early, or if I could help family members who have an addicted loved one understand that the that addiction isn't necessarily a death sentence, but that you can't give up on people and you have to keep loving them and supporting them. If I could affect one person, then to me it's completely worthwhile. Wow. You know, I, I, I want to thank you for, for, first of all, writing the book, but I want to thank you for getting, you know, the message out there. And I have one last question for you. I know we've talked a lot today during the show about the physical nature of this, but that's not the only dimension. What role did spirituality have to play uh, in your uh, recovery? And what's your personal message? What would you like to leave us with today? The spirituality played a huge role, because once you're off the drug, there's a huge emptiness in your life, because the drug was your main emotional crutch, and all your, your main emotional relationship was with the drug, not with other people. So early recovery is a very lonely time, and if it weren't for other people and support and spirituality, I would have just had such a big hole in my life that I would have gone right back to using drugs. And then my personal message is, what I alluded to before, which is you just you can't give up on people. Don't let them sink to their quote-unquote bottom because they could die or overdose. You've got to intervene as soon as you can, and even if the addict's behavior is really off-putting, because addicts can be really miserable to deal with, you've got to keep loving them and helping them and trying to get them in treatment. And if you keep trying, at some point, hopefully you're going to be successful. Wow. Thank you so much for today. Please tell people your website again, if you would, how they can get a copy of your book. And thank you for joining me here today. Well, thank you for having me. My website is just Peter Grinspoon. Grin like smile, spoon like fork. So PeterGrinspoon.com. Or you can just go to Amazon and type in free refills, and the book pops up right then. Wow. Thank you so much for today. Uh, and thank you for all that you do. What a great well, show. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed our conversation. All right, everybody, I want to just let you know you got another hour coming up here in a second. Uh, thanks for tuning us in and turning us on. I want to make sure that if you want to find out more about us, if you've missed any part of this show today, go to TransformationTalkRadio.com. And guess what? It's going to play again. Uh, you will be able to hear the show in its entirety. Also, if you go to the Dr. Pat show, many, many things, many archives, many conversations. Thank you all for all that you do. Thank you for being a bright light in the world. Thank you, Benny, for pushing all the right buttons. We'll see you next time. The preceding audio was via a Skype call.